on. You can be seated and I'm so grateful for everyone that's online, the whole church. Um, Fresh Life Church is a little bit like God, you're just omnipresent. I said, where are you located? They just kept going through every state. So all of you that are watching online, eating your Cheerios this morning in the warmth of your bed, I'm still glad that you've logged on. But the rest of us, the real Christians that are here in the latter rain, you are awesome, every one of you that have come out. Now look, I feel very Montana today because Pastor... Levi and Jenny gave me this buckle. Do I look Montana-ish? I never thought there would be a day. I, I've become like a, a, a Montana girl and I love it so much. I love this conference. I love your pastors. I love what God is doing. Let me just say, there is something phenomenal about hundreds of young people saying, you know what? We don't care what the weather is like. We are gonna gather around the presence of God to hear the Word of God so that we can be uh, mobilised for the mission of God on the earth. And the conference has just been phenomenal. My prayer is that just in this last session, it's, it's like a commissioning uh, session and we would just weave together everything from Pastor Robert Madhu and Pastor Levi and Pastor Louis and Jenny and what the Lord's done through the worship and that this morning is just going to seal. The Holy Spirit tends to work like that. We don't talk to each other, but God weaves together the messages for what you need at this moment in this hour uh, for God to do what He wants to do in and through your life. So we're going to turn this morning to the Gospel of Luke. And for everyone from the church that has logged on and um, that you're participating today, I believe that the Holy Spirit's got a word for you. No matter what your age is and no matter what stage of life you're in, God's going to speak to us all today. I love church in uh, wherever I am. I'm in a, a rodeo. We say rodeo. What do you say? I couldn't understand you, but that's okay. That's your American language. Aussies, we talk proper English. We say rodeo. Everyone say rodeo. You know, last weekend I was uh, preaching in a bullfighting ring in Peru and I just have to laugh like in this, this day and this hour, you know, Jesus said wherever two or three are gathered, He is there. I'm like, I was in a bullfighting ring and it was like amazing now. I'm in a rodeo and let me just say, God is everywhere. If you wanna encounter God, you can meet with Him anywhere, even there in your bedroom with your Cheerios right now. That's where God is and He's gonna, speak to us through His Word in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Most of you may have heard this normally around Christmas time, but um, this text does not need to be read just at Christmas. I believe every single one of us, the reason we're still alive and the reason we're still on the earth, the world is crazy in 2023, but God has marked your generation to be raised up, to reach your generation in this generation. And He's ultimately given us all one mandate. And that is to be carriers of God to our generation. If the job was done, Jesus would have already come back. But the fact is that we still have work to do. That's why we're here on the earth. We are living between the two advents of Christ. Jesus has come and He's coming back again. Your job and my job, understanding where we are in church history, is to point people to Jesus and to the fact that He is coming again and to awaken the world to the fact that they need to be in relationship with the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go to the first advent of Christ to understand what our job is getting ready for the second coming of Christ. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Scripture says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God 
to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Very, very specific. Gabriel was sent by God to a very specific town. We're in Montana today. And God has sent every single one of us to a specific place in a specific time. God is a very specific God, not arbitrary. He says, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. I'm sure she probably had to change her underwear as well. I mean, there is an angel that's just come and, you know, this all just sounds like it's really normal. Imagine as you were getting ready in your tent today, if an angel of the Lord, I mean, we're not talking about a little cherub kind of playing a harp. We're talking about a thumping huge angel appears in your tent. I guarantee you, you would be greatly disturbed by this kind of greeting and would have to change your underwear as well. So it goes on. It says, but she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. Now listen, I just want you to check out the kind of instructions and the kind of announcements God makes when He's inviting us into His purpose, when He's inviting us into His plan. So many of us think so small. We dream so small. But this is the kind of thing that God will send an angel to tell you. I mean, check this out. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? Since I have not had sexual relations with a man, did you fail biology, Mr. Angel? I just added that in, in case you're wondering if it's not in yours. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her Old age, this is gonna be a word for someone today, whether you're a youth leader, a pastor, whether you're someone from church watching online today and you think you're done, you think it's over, you think God's finished with you and you've basically in your mentality gone into some kind of retirement mode. I want you to know what I'm speaking about today is that God came to a teenage girl. We got lots of teenagers here today. A teenage girl that was going to be overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit and become pregnant. It was actually, impossible in the natural. She wasn't going to have sex, but she was going to conceive a child. That is impossible. But then we also have an older woman whose eggs had dried up. Viagra had not yet been invented. And somewhere in here, the angel of the Lord says, you are also going to conceive a child. So you can be old and barren, or you can be young and virile. When you are called to a God assignment, it requires supernatural strength. It requires supernatural power. You are never gonna be able to do it in your own strength, whether you are young or whether you are old. And so he says, even Elizabeth is going to bear a child. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God as I wrap up today. I want you to walk out of this conference with one phrase in your mind, that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. 
I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what He has spoken to her. And Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, because He has looked with favour on the humble condition of His servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I need you to wrap your mind around this. This is a teenage girl. We're full of teenagers at this conference. She is about to supernaturally conceive Jesus. She's gonna carry the very one that's gonna atone for her own sins. Wrap your mind around that. And yet she is saying that she is going to be blessed. She's already prophesying her future. She's already speaking over her future. We're here in Montana, the United States of America, 2000 years later, and we're calling this woman blessed, this teenage girl who should have back in those times been literally stoned to death, not like the way you've legalised it here in Montana, but I mean like literally stoned to death ostracised from her family, marginalised, cost her her relationship with her fiancé, going in and saying, Joseph, I promise it was an angel, like really, as if. And so she would have been discarded, but she now is in the presence of an older woman, in the presence of a mentor. And she's saying, no, 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 from henceforth, all generations are going to call me blessed. She's already speaking life over a future, speaking positively over a future. And she's declaring and decreeing something that actually has come to pass all of these years later as we're talking about her. And she says, because the mighty one has done great things for me. His name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering His mercy to Abraham and His descendants forever, just as He spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then she returned home. What a story. What a story. Here we have a young teenage girl going about her everyday business. I mean, she would have got up this day. It would have been like any other day, except she would have been pumped because she's getting ready to be married. She's betrothed to Joseph. So who knows what she was thinking about this morning? I don't even know. Maybe her, what her wedding day was gonna look like. She was just going through a normal day and suddenly an angel of the Lord appears to her. I want you to know, God comes to ordinary people on ordinary days in very ordinary way in order to call them into His purpose, to invite them into His mission. There was nothing extraordinary. Nothing in Scripture tells us that there was anything extraordinary about Mary. You see, in our day and age, in our day of social media, you think God will only use you if you are the biggest, the best, the fastest, the most eloquent, the most resourced, the most connected. And so we think God only uses 
certain types of people, but you need to know God has only ever used ordinary people to do extraordinary things for His glory. God has only used, because there are, as C.S. Lewis says, there are no other types of people. There are only ordinary people. You know, I listened to Pastor Levi and introduced me and I'm thinking about even just the last seven weeks of my life. Nick and I have had the privilege to serve God in 10 different countries and seen God do unbelievable things. And we will go to 50 or 60 countries a year and see God do amazing things. I've watched what He's done with A21 now in 19 offices in 14 countries around the world and God do unbelievable things. But I need someone here. Before you think, here I am today at 57 doing by the grace of God what God's called me to do, 35 years of following Jesus. This is who I was. I was the kid that was born in Sydney, Australia. I don't even know who my biological mother is. I don't know who my biological father is. I don't know if I was conceived as a result of a rape. I don't know if I was conceived as the result of a, an ongoing adulterous affair. I don't know if it was a one night stand. I didn't even find out that I was adopted until I was 33. I, I, I grew up in a lie, thinking I came from one background and it was another. I grew up in the poorest zip code in my state, in New South Wales, in Australia, in government assisted housing because my parents were Greek immigrants and that's kind of where you put all the immigrants. And so I grew up in a, a government home. I was sexually abused most weeks of my life for over a decade at the hands of four men. My, my immediate family was awesome, but my parents entrusted and allowed people to come into our home that they should never have trusted. And those men violated me for a very long time. That messes with you big time. So I was a young woman that was so full of shame. I was so full of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. I had so many patterns of destructive behaviour in my life. There's not a sin that I haven't probably willfully committed. And I was so damaged and broken because of what was done to me. And so I developed so many patterns of negative behaviour and relational dysfunction and insecurity and fear and doubt. If I was one of you sitting right there where you are right now, nobody would have guessed that I would be doing this today. I was not only ordinary, I was less than ordinary. My life was full of shame. My life was full of guilt. My life was full of hiding. My life was full of intimidation and insecurity. But you see, then I encountered a resurrected Saviour. And truly Jesus Christ transformed my life, forgave all of my sin, gave me a brand new life and a hope for the future. The reason I'm here in the rain in Montana at 57 years old on a Sunday morning is because Jesus Christ is alive. You can't fake this thing for 40 years. Jesus is alive. He still transforms us today. He still heals us today. He still delivers us today. He still changes us today. Now this world is crazy, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. But I tell you that to say to you, you have no idea what God wants to do in and through your life. Some of you, you have 
disqualified yourself because of what has happened to you or what you have done. And you have sat through session after session in this conference and the penny still has not dropped for you. My prayer is this morning that it will. That if my life can do anything to inspire you as a young person or an older person watching online, is that it would show you that God can and does use anyone. That bugs a lot of people. But the fact of the matter is, if you are prepared to believe God, then God can use you no matter what you have gone through in your life. And God, because of who He is, will weave all the broken mess of your life together and He can use your past to give someone else a future. Isn't it just like God to take an unnamed, unwanted, abused, adopted chick from the back of Sydney, Australia and say, Christine, I'm not just gonna rescue you but I'm gonna now use you to open the prison doors for those that are still bound so that you can set people free. It is just like God. Romans 8.28 is not a nice little hallmark verse. God truly does work all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Sometimes when you're young, you can't understand how God's gonna do that. But I've been young and now I am old. And I am here to tell you that God is faithful, that God will work it all together, that He will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you could just trust Him, He will use even you. He picked a teenage girl in the back of Nazareth. I mean, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He specifically sent an angel of the Lord to a teenage girl. You know, girls, I want you to know something. There are some things that only a girl can do. Only a woman could carry Jesus. Only a woman and her womb could carry the God of the universe in order to birth Him. There are some things that only you're gonna be able to birth as a woman. Some things only you will as a young woman. So the issue is, will you trust God to be able to use you, no matter what your background is, no matter where you're from. So he comes to an ordinary girl in an ordinary town and he invites her into an extraordinary assignment. I mean, it is extraordinary. He says, you have found favour. Now this is what we have to understand. Favour is for service, not for status. Favour upon us as the people of God is not so that we can strut around with some kind of arrogance that just kind of goes, well, I'm God's chosen person. I've got favour. Favour is for the purpose of serving our generation. We have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We are seated at the right hand of the Father with God. We have access to everything in Christ Jesus, but not so that we can become arrogant, not so that we can become legalistic, not so that we can become judgmental, but so out of love and grace and mercy, we can serve a broken and a lost humanity. That is what favour is for. It's important for you to understand that as children of God, we do walk in favour. I'm unapologetic about that. But the purpose of the favour is what often gets us into trouble. If we understand that favour is for service, so the angel of the Lord says to Mary, you, you've got favour. Now here is the deal. 
He's about to mess her life up. Because often that's what the favour of God does. If you want a nice, comfortable, predictable, boring life, don't step into the plan and purpose of God. Because if you're gonna step into the plan and purpose of God, no matter how old you are, as I keep saying yes to God, it doesn't change. The Lord's like, awesome, I'm gonna give you favour and now I'm going to interrupt your plans, Christine, with my purpose. So the degree to which you're willing to have your plans interrupted with God's purpose is the, de the degree to which God will use you. A lot of us, we want God to use us, but we want God to use us on our terms. Lord, this is my plan for my life. Will you bless it? Lord, I, I invite you into my plan. Will you just sprinkle a little bit of Christian happy dust on it so that it looks really awesome? And God's like, no, 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 actually, I'm here to mess up your plans because I've got something bigger for you. I've got my purpose for you. And can I just tell you, the thing that keeps me going thing that just, I still have a spring in my step. I still wake up every morning and think, God, this is like awesome. I feel like I'm on a faith adventure. It's because I'm not trying to make God fit into my plan. I keep wanting to be in alignment with the purpose of God. The greatest thing you can discover as a young person is to get into alignment with God's purpose. Someone that's watching me from church and you're married and you have a family and you think, man, Chris, ha have I missed it? You are, if you woke up this morning and you're still breathing and there's not a white chalk mark around your body, it means you're alive and God still has a purpose for your life and it's never too late while you are still breathing to step into the purpose of God. So God uses ordinary people and He gives us His favour, but His favour is not for status. His favour is for service and that's what Mary stepped into and then the angel of the Lord says, don't fear. Now that's a huge statement because of course you would fear if this thumping big angel is right in front of you. We just act like this is normal. It is not normal. Did anyone this morning while you were getting ready in your tent, did an angel of the Lord appear to you? I mean, I'd be pumped if he did, but you'd probably be like still passed out if that was the case. But he says, do not fear. And the reason he instantly goes to fear is because fear is what cripples and paralyzes us more than anything else. There's a reason why the Scripture says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. And in 2023, and after what you and I have walked through over the last few years, I, I say this carefully, but what has been unleashed over your generation is what the Bible calls a spirit of fear. So we have a generation that is paralysed. I mean, you've lived through a pandemic. There is so many changes morally in the world. There are so many changes we've lived through environmentally and economically and politically. And there is so much upheaval. It's like the enemy has unleashed a spirit of fear. So the way you counteract that is by understanding that God's given us love, power in Christ and a sound mind. In a world that is out of control, one of the ways you will most show that you're a Jesus follower is that you have a sound mind when everyone else is losing their mind. The ability to walk in wisdom and understanding 
while everything is out of control in our world. But the angel of the Lord said to her, Mary, don't fear. Because fear is the thing that will keep you out of your purpose. If you try to work this out rationally and naturally, you are never going to step into the purpose of God. And most of us, why we don't do what God's called us to do is not because we're not able, because let me just put you out of your misery. We're not able. I can't do it. You can't do it. Don't believe any preacher that's gonna tell you that you're good enough. You're not, that you're smart enough. You're not, not if it's a God thing, because if it's a God thing, it's bigger than you. You're gonna need the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no way, if you could do it in your own strength, you don't need God. If you're resourced enough, if you're intelligent enough, if you're popular enough, if you've got enough of everything, you don't need God and you will take the credit. But when you know that there is no one but God that could do this through my life, then God can continue to use you because God knows that you know that it's Him alone. So He says, don't fear. Most of us, we start with this whole pattern of like, well, what if? If I I leave movement and I'm going to go home and some of you are going to go home into environments like I used to that were nothing like this. I mean, when I became a Jesus follower, my family did not speak to me for three years. I wasn't allowed to take meals with them. They thought I had got converted into a cult and they thought they were just waiting for it to wear off. Well, almost 40 years later, it still hasn't worn off, but they were waiting. It was very difficult. I'd come out of an environment like this, I'd be so pumped up and then I would walk into, and some of you are gonna walk into that, a very, very different environment. And it's easy to get fearful and think, you know what, I'm just going to, Maybe not be as passionate. Maybe I'm I'm gonna tone some things down. Maybe I'm not gonna live as full on because what I'm gonna walk back into at school or what I'm gonna walk back into at home or what I'm gonna walk back into in my friends. It's just too scary to live with the kind of passion that's been ignited while I'm at movement. So the angel of the Lord says, don't fear. Don't fear. Don't keep rehearsing the what ifs. Well, what if my friends don't do this? What if my family doesn't do this? What if this happens at school? What if this happens with my future? What if, what if, what if, what if has destroyed more destinies? What we need is instead of a a what if faith, we need a even if faith. The kind of faith where Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went, you know what? God can rescue me. But even if He doesn't, and this fire just takes us out. He is still God. I will keep serving Him. I will keep worshipping Him. What we need is a generation that is willing to replace a what if faith because that spirit of fear, what if, what if, what if? What if economically? What if politically? What if socially? What if environmentally? What if? And Jesus says, well, would you have an even if faith? Even if? I am not bowing down. Even if this all goes south, I am not bowing down because ultimately I've read the end of the book anyway and I know who wins. Jesus has already won. That sky is gonna split. He is coming back. There will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. So even if during my tenure, it's a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not bowing down. I'm not gonna go back to who I was or what I was doing before I came to movement. I'm not going to fear the ridicule of my friends and the community and the culture because to live a radical Christian faith, a supernatural one, not a fruitful 
judgmental, but a supernatural one in this day and age, people are going to think you've lost your mind. People are going to think like, really? Like you really believe that word is the word, really? You, You really believe that a dead Jewish guy rose again three days later? Like you really believe that? You really believe that a teenage chick got pregnant and didn't have sex? I mean, I just want you to think about what we believe, like it's not normal. I told my daughter when I sent her off to college, I said, I believe in an immaculate conception, but I believe there was only ever one. Do not think I'm ever going to believe this again. So don't come home telling me it was the angel of the Lord. But that's what we believe. This is why I'm so grateful that when Pastor Levi had a stand and believe God for healing, people go, oh, you believe in healing today? I go, honey, that's like normal compared to the fact that I believe 2,000 years ago a dead guy rose again. That, that's normal. Christian, you believe in all the gifts of the Spirit? Uh, yes, I believe that a teenage chick got pregnant without having sex. The gifts of the Spirit, that's easy. So you and I have to understand, of course, there's a supernatural component to our faith. And you don't even have to be a weird Fruit Loop Christian. You just need to be a Christian. The whole linchpin of the Christian faith is that a dead guy rose again. That is supernatural. That is weird. I figure since we embrace that, why not embrace it all? God still heals today. God still saves today. God still delivers today. God still moves today. And the reason I say that to you is because if you try to live this out in your own strength, you won't be able to, neither will I. And that's why the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. My prayer, everything in me wants to walk down here, but I've been instructed not to in case I slip. They're scared for insurance. But But the issue is that you and I need to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God. Because the world we're living in, it is dark. We don't have to fear because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. But it would be remiss of you, me, to say to you that you can do this on your own strength because you can't and neither can I. This lap around the globe that Nick and I just did went on every continent, saw God do amazing things. But I've come back even more aware that there is a spiritual realm Scripture says in Ephesians that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. It is real. It is real. And that in this nation, there are powers and principalities that need to be contended with. And so you and I were never designed by God to do this on our own. That's why we've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. Mary needed the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit and divine strength to both conceive the God dream and to birth the God dream. I wanna remind you today that the Holy Spirit is not like, some of us, we freak out a bit when we say that because we've got this thing in our thinking, He is the third part of the Trinity. It is not the third part. We serve a triune God. He is one God, three parts. But it's not like when we think third part, we think like we go to the Olympics and there's gold. The Father is gold, silver. Jesus is silver. Bronze, the Holy Spirit's bronze. It's like like the third medal. That's how we kind of relegate Him, the third medal. That, that's not how it works. 
When God created the world right there in Genesis, the Spirit hovered and then God said. The Spirit hovered, then God spoke. We serve a triune God. We love God the Father, God the Son in Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. He's not like the third little part that's optional. He is a part of the whole that every single one of us needs in order to do what God has called us to do. He said, Mary, don't fear. You can't do this alone. It's okay. Don't try to work this out. You're not gonna find this out in a biology textbook. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. I wonder how often you've called on the strength of the Holy Spirit. If you're a born again believer, then Ephesians says you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You're sealed, He's in you. I just wonder whether you have a hunger on the inside of you. I have this practice I've had for about 30 years. I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, good morning, Holy Spirit. I can't do anything today without you. So can you help me? Can you help me read the Word and understand it? Can you help me interact with people? Lord, Speak to me in my heart when I need to to have a word for someone, a word of encouragement. Lord, when I need to get out of a situation, speak to my heart. So I wanna encourage you as you leave movement to involve the Holy Spirit that's already in you if you're born again. He's already in you. To involve Him in your everyday life. Maybe just start with good morning, Holy Spirit. That'll freak some of you out right there. Just that phrase, good morning, walk with me today. Help me read this Word today. Be with me in my relationships with people today. And then you become way more aware that God is with you in every moment. And so He says the Holy Spirit will empower you. And then I love the fact that He says, when this happens, you don't have to try to work this out because nothing is impossible with God. Mary starts to question Him and that's right. She wasn't even allowed to go to school and she's like, how will this be? Even I know that that's not how biology works. So I don't know what the Lord may or may not be speaking to you about, about your future. But if it's God, let me tell you, this is one way you might know that it will be impossible. You're gonna be like, there is no way that can happen. See, a lot of us, We just have our, we try to figure stuff out. We go, God, can you fit into this? And it sounds really awesome. And I'm gonna post it on TikTok or Instagram. And it sounds awesome. And God's like, man, that is so boring. You don't even need me for that. That's just what you can make up in your own mind. But it will be impossible if it's God. I remember, I just came back. I was in Greece a couple of weeks ago where we started A21 15 years ago. At 15 years ago, I had... um, it was 17 years ago that I was in Greece. We started A21 15 years ago and I had just had my second child. I was 40. I'm speaking to someone today. At 40, I was not thinking I'm going to start something new. Nick and I were already travelling around the world doing loads of stuff like this with young people all over the world. And I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't know human trafficking existed. I I wasn't thinking I wanna start something else. I had just given birth. When you are 40 and you just have a baby, I promise when you're in Greece, you are not thinking of starting a new ministry. You are thinking of going to Santorini to have a holiday. That's all you are thinking about at that point. 
And I saw the posters of these missing women and children that began something that has now become a 21. But when I saw that and I felt a stirring, I started immediately a conversation with God. But God, I can't do this, but God, I'm 40. But God, I've just had another baby. But God, I just, I live in Australia that's really far away from Greece. But God, I'm a woman, as if he didn't know. But God, you know, I, I can't do this because of this. But God, I don't have a spare 10 million bucks to do this. But God, this is Russian and Albanian mafia and they kill people. But God, there's a whole lot of corruption in this. And we start your list. But God, but God, but God, just like Mary. How can this be? I, I haven't slept with anyone. How can this be? And that's how most of us are. But God, I mean, Moses was the same. In Exodus 3, the Lord came down to the, the angel of the Lord said to her, the burning bushes going, you know, this is what I'm going to use you to do. You're going to set my people free. And Moses is like, but God, who am I? And I'm sure God's like, who cares? Since when was this about you? He's like, but God, I am not eloquent. And the Lord's like, wow, that was gonna be a deal breaker on me parting the Red Sea. Your ability to speak was gonna make all the difference. I want you to understand even us on our best day, if it's a God thing, couldn't even help God if we tried. On our best day. And so... I'm like the same as, I'm like, but God, but God, but God. You know what we need if we're gonna do what God's called us to do? We need a serious butectomy in the body of Christ. If you're wondering where that is in the medical journal, it's just above colonoscopy. There's a butectomy. We need to get our big butts out of God's face because our finite rational minds Start saying, but God, this is impossible because, but God, this is not able, but God, what about my past? But God, what about my limitation? And you know what? It sounds so pious. And especially, particularly in some traditions of the church, it sounds so holy. Put yourself down, make yourself feel like a worm. But God, I'm just such a worm. But God, I'm so hopeless. And it sounds holy, but the root of it is actually pride. Because what you're saying is that your limitations are greater than God's supernatural ability to do something in and through your life. That's what you're actually saying. It just sounds pious. And so what you have to understand is if God's asking you to do something, it's not gonna be difficult. I want you to hear this. It's gonna be impossible. Because impossible is where God starts. Until it's impossible, you don't need God. You just might need to get smarter. You might just need to get fitter. You might just need to get a little bit better resourced, but you don't need God. It's at impossible where God turns up because miracles, we sang that song, are what God does. So we do our bit and then we're like, God, you can only do what you could do. I remember when we started, we got consultants in, unbelievably high caliber consultants. There, there was nothing. There was no anti-trafficking unit in Greece. Human trafficking was not a crime in Greece. And there was, in that region of the world, we have many friends in this sector. Nobody had any work going on because it was so corrupt. And even our friends in other organisations said, don't start there. Go down to Southeast Asia, go to Africa, because we, nothing happens there. We've all tried and nothing happens. And we got consultants in and they did a 100-page feasibility report. It took 45 days. 
Nick was over there, my husband with them. And I was flying over and it was right at the end and they were gonna present the findings of this feasibility report to us. And I was flying from Australia, which is a really long way to Greece. And the, the, um, I was in the lounge at Frankfurt Airport in Germany. Now I'm Greek, so I'm very emotive. I don't know if you know much about German people, but they're not quite as expressive as us Greeks are. So I'm in the lounge. This is now 16, 17 years ago. And so I was like the only woman in there. And Nick calls me and he says, Chris, and this is exactly how he said it. I need to say it so you'll understand. He said, Christine, before you get on the plane from Frankfurt to Thessaloniki, I want you to remember that you are a pastor. So when Nick prefaces something with, remember that you're a Christian, and remember, in fact, not only that, you're a Christian leader. Um, I, I know that he, I'm about to blow my lid. And so he goes, I just want you to know I have the feasibility report. And in this report, it says at least 10 different times, we still have it. It will be impossible. A derivative of that phrase, it will be impossible. It will be impossible. It will be impossible. And they gave us all the reasons why it would be impossible. And I remember just standing up in that lounge and very inappropriately loudly, I yelled, I literally yelled, every eye turned to me. And I went, you tell those consultants that God told us to start in Thessaloniki. And if God said it, we are well able to do what God has called us to do and we will do it. Now I say that to you because two weeks ago, so from that call, we're now 16, 17 years later, Nick and I, with a group of people, were in the headquarters of what now is the anti-trafficking unit in Greece. Remember, that never existed when we started. The biggest raid in Greece's history, we went and visited the house where this happened because of the A21 hotline and because, literally because of the connections that happened. 52 Colombian women were rescued in that raid. 22 traffickers were caught and 22 traffickers were put in jail. And I'm saying that because I'm standing here in Montana a couple of weeks later to tell you if I listened to the experts 17 years ago, it would never have existed. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. With God, all things are possible and nothing, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, and I love it particularly in the Net Bible, in the CSB, the ESV, Mary said, let it be to me according to Thy Word. You wanna make sure it's a Word from God and not a Fruit Loop from somewhere else and not just bad pizza from you. But she said, let it be to me according to Thy Word. But in the Net Bible, it says, and Mary said, yes. I think that's the biggest faith statement in the Bible. A teenage girl goes, I can't work this out. <laughs> I'm gonna carry God the one that flung the universe into being, He is gonna live in my womb. The very one that's gonna hang on a tree and atone for my sins, He is gonna be on the inside of me. I cannot work this out. But yes, and as we wrap up movement, I'm wondering if you just say yes. Because the biggest act of faith is just that we say yes to God. And those of you in church, that we keep saying yes. That I've come back, I'm 57. 
Most people I know my age are like thinking about retiring and thinking about settling down and thinking about chilling out. I'm like, I, I just don't even wanna be around them. That's why I'm here with all you young people. Who wants to be around old people? I wanna keep saying yes. Elizabeth said yes. Zechariah doubted, so God shut him up. Sometimes He'll make you mute. But Elizabeth said yes. I wanna keep saying yes. I started saying yes when I was as old as Mary. I'm gonna keep saying yes now that I'm getting to be as old as Elizabeth. You won't keep saying yes if you don't start saying yes. So I wonder if some of you young people like Mary will go, I can't work it out. Don't know. Defies logic, doesn't make scientific sense, doesn't make medical sense, doesn't make political sense, doesn't make economic sense, doesn't make sense in this cultural moment, but yes. Biggest faith statement in the Bible. Yes. And she went, and some of you need to do this. She went to Elizabeth's house. She didn't say, forget the older generation. Elizabeth by that stage was already six months pregnant. So she went to Elizabeth's house and she stayed for three months, the first trimester of her pregnancy. Most women, if they're going to have maybe a miscarriage, and I've had one, it normally happens in the first trimester. The enemy will normally try to abort the dream is put in your heart in the first three months you leave here. Be careful who you entrust that dream to. Be careful who you hang out with. And so she went and not only that, she saw an older woman that was about to give birth. And I wonder if she saw the last trimester of Elizabeth with her first trimester in order to know what was coming up ahead so she could handle what was gonna come up ahead. Get some good people around you. Get some wise mentors around you. Run with those that are still running. We were never designed to do this alone. But I do wanna remind you that your willingness to say yes in this moment will determine your destiny. So I'm asking as we wrap up this morning, who is gonna leave Movement Conference just saying, yes, I, I can't work it out. I don't know how. But the answer is yes. Some of you, you might not even know the question from God yet or the invitation from God, but you've already decided yes. There are some things about my future, I don't even know what God is gonna ask of me, but I've already said yes. I'm not going to my grave, golfing my way to heaven. I am gonna go on fire for Jesus. Whatever that means and whatever that looks like, I am gonna run my race, I am gonna finish my course and I am gonna keep saying yes to Jesus. So I wanna pray for you. And if you're gonna leave movement and your answer is yes, like Mary, let it be to me according to Thy Word because God's spoken to you through the preaching of His Word, through the worship, through your small groups. There's no doubt He's dropped something in your heart. And if that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet and I'm gonna pray as we say yes together to whatever it is that God's asking us in our future. And we are willing to look like fools. We are willing to be misunderstood. We are willing to do whatever it takes to be faithful to Jesus and His call upon our life. I want you to close your eyes wherever you are. And just as an act of surrender and submission to the Lord, I just want you to raise your hands to heaven. And so Father, we stand in Your presence this morning. 
Our hands are lifted to You. Some of us, our hearts are pounding right now. Others are feeling nothing. But there's just surrender and obedience in this moment. And Lord, just like that teenage girl 2,000 years ago chose to trust You even when she didn't understand the how, she trusted the who. I pray that this generation of young people would trust the who. They would trust Your goodness, Lord, Your love, Your grace. And then Father, they will keep saying yes throughout the course of their entire life. Father, I dare to pray that bold prayer this morning. That they'll just keep saying yes, no matter how difficult it is, how challenging it is, how much it doesn't make sense, how much it defies cultural norms. That we will be a people of obedience that continue to just say yes. So Lord, as we wrap up the conference today, we echo the words of a teenage girl 2,000 years ago. We say, Lord, let it be to me according to Thy Word. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen.